All right, well, we're so glad to have you here this morning in person and those that are watching us online too. We welcome our friends in Haida Gwaii as they watch us each Sunday and we're so happy that they're with us. Um, well, that's a year done. I know that 19 and 20 and 21 weren't always the greatest. Uh, it was nice to get 22 kind of out of the way. Um, <laughs> It's just exhausting. Um, and then we look forward to 2023. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. Um, yeah, so just so you know, there, there's more stuff happening out there in the world today, and I don't want to, you know, doom and gloom it, but <clears throat> variants are spreading like wildfire, and hospitalizations are more than they've ever been. And as much as I am, a, you know, and I always have been an advocate of uh, proper health and, and uh, you know, when it comes to virology and, and, and my views on that have been always very much, yeah, do the best we can, protect those most vulnerable. Um, we need to be very careful we don't get into uh, the same routine of fear again. We need to realize that God is in control and we need to do our best as Christians, to be that great example out there, to not spread that fear. And so I say to you today, no matter what the news is, no matter what's happening, famines, earthquakes, tsunamis, tidal waves and tornadoes, locusts, I haven't had a locust outbreak in you know, the lower mainland in a long time, so we're probably good on that one. All those things that happen in the real world, uh, guess what? They've been happening for thousands of years. And they will continue to happen. And we are, that doesn't change Christianity. That doesn't change who Jesus is. It doesn't change anything. Our response can and how we adjust to that. So in 2023, 20, I keep having to think, I almost said 2020. I'm behind a few years, but we'll get there. In 2023, we're going to just move forward. And we're going to tackle everything with the love of Jesus, and we're not going to worry about all this other stuff. We're going to pray for those that are suffering and those that are going through things. We're going to pray for those Christians that struggle to balance their theology with their political awareness, and we're not going to worry about it. We're not going to stress out. Amen? Yeah, we're going to be Jesus to those that need him and let him do the heavy lifting, because I don't know about you, but my back is sore, and I have skinny legs. And I can't carry it all, so I'm sorry. I, I just can't do it anymore. So if you ever think that, well, Mark just doesn't care about that or whatever, that's not true. I've, like I've told everyone, I care about the things I can control. Every now and then it sneaks in on me and I start to worry about things that I can't control. But I'm here to tell you that we cannot worry about the things we cannot control. We need to worry about the things we can control. And one of the very first things that you can control is, guess what? You. Huh? Yeah, we don't like to hear that. You're like, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, no, you can. And, and I believe you can do it. I totally believe you can do it. And I, and I want you to focus on that in this new year. But we're going to be looking uh, at a new series for the next little bit for uh, 2023. And we're going to look at the important elements of a successful journey. Uh, and then we're going to apply it to our walk with Jesus Christ. Because I feel like we need a friendly reminder. I think Christianity needs a friendly reminder of what a successful journey looks like and what the elements of that are in how we walk with Jesus Christ. And so 
Let's look at our scripture today, Luke chapter 14. Um, I did make one error this morning and forgot to put it up on the screen, but you know what? Just listen to my soothing voice and pretend uh, I'm some fancy, like I have a beautiful voice like Pastor Paul, that I'm, but I don't, so you're just going to have to pretend it is that. Luke chapter 14, 25 to 33, and it says this. Now, you, I'm going to explain a few things as we go, but... Don't get too uh, upset about what it says. It says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm going to explain that. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able... He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, in other words, in doing anything that we do, anything, we need to think and we need to plan. For some strange reason, Christianity and North American Christianity, and again, I do harp, harp on this quite a bit, but acts like they don't have to think, they don't need an educated guess on anything, and they just need to act. No, no planning, no thinking, just act. But I'm here to tell you that following Jesus requires intention. It requires us to play the long game. How many like the long game? We don't like the long game. You know that if I was to talk to my 20-year-old self, I would say, put away $50 every paycheck into an RRSP or into some kind of investment. Do you know how much money I would have right now? Millions. But Mark didn't do that. Mark had cell phones and pagers and paid those people. Mark bought cars. Mark spent money. Mark didn't play the long game. Now, am I hurting? No. But my point is, if I were to go back, the long game, the compound interest, there's a reason why. But yet society, for some reason, has told us, don't play that game. You want it now. Get it right now. Don't wait for it. I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary, I guess, or movie or whatever on the McDonald's franchise, and the, the person went up to the thing to get his burger, and usually it would take time because they actually have to make the burger and cook the burger and prepare everything, and, and they just put it in the bank, but boom, it's there the very first time, and he's like, what is this? He's like, it's your meal, and he's like, my meal. The very first time instant food was there blew people's minds because normally you would sit down, and you would talk, and you would engage, and you'd wait for the chef to make the food instead of just whipping it out under a heat lamp and throwing it out. Well, we want things fast. Have you ever noticed when you go to a, a nice restaurant, a, a good restaurant, it takes time? You know why? 
Because the chef actually has to make it. He has to actually put it together. Maybe he's prepped, yes, but he has to put it together. And when it comes to your table, it's beautiful and it's laid out and it tastes good and it tastes fresh. It's not frozen. It's, I've been really into Gordon Ramsay lately, so I'm sorry. He's an amazing chef. You might not like his language, but I really love the way this guy cooks. I love everything about um, how he cooks. And so it, it takes time. It takes time. And we don't need things fast, but we want them. The long game is the idea of sacrificing now in order to have a more healthy outcome later. But we want it now. The long game requires planning, discipline, sacrifice, and in other words, it requires intentionality. We need to plan. I don't know about you, but how many just randomly, I thought about doing this one day with Michelle, and we will do this one day as for fun, but how many of you just show up to the airport, close on your back, and decide, I'm going to pick that flight and go wherever that goes for your vacation? You don't do that, do you? You actually sit down. You plan it. You figure out where you want to go, what you can afford, how you can get, how you're going to get there. Once you get there, what are you going to do? You figure out how you're going to get from your home to the airport. And then, that's not all. Once you've paid for it and it's there and you're ready to go, you have to pack. What will I wear? Me, it'll be mostly Tommy Bahama because I'm going to the beach. That's where I'm going. And I'm going to pack all my shorts, all my Tommy Bahama shirts, and that's what I'm doing. That's, that's it. But that's my pre-plan. What about yours? Where do you, how do you plan it? How do you pack? There's, there's things that you do. You need to know how many dinners are we going for? How many? Michelle, shoes. How many shoes must I bring? I'm like, how many shoes do you have? We need a special ticket for her shoes to come with us. And Mark, you get this space for your Tommy shirts, and then these are all my area. I'm joking. It's not true. It's close. It's very close, but it's not true. But you plan. You plan. And Jesus, in this parable, has great crowds coming around him, talking to him, and, and he continues to teach him, but this time he talks about the cost of following Jesus. He gives several examples of the activities that require intentional planning to be successful for them to be completed. And he gives the idea. You know, he says the lesson is, is the cost of following Jesus is great in verse 33. So following Jesus requires that intentionality that I've been talking about. The first example he uses is the relationship of a believer to family and to Jesus. Now this is where I need to clarify some things because a lot of people get upset about the wording here. And he says that you know, you have to hate everything else. Family, wives, kids, all that. That word doesn't mean what we think it means. And this is why I love original languages, because it clarifies things so much, right? We take what we see right here in English, and English, you know, as great as it is, is not, you know, probably the best for explaining a lot of things. That word actually means to love less than. Love less than. So, don't put anything before Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. And when Jesus talks, he hits home. It hurts because you're like, whoa. You mean, I, I, when it says hate, we get really upset. But to love less than. And what it's actually saying is don't make anything an idol. Your relationships, an idol. Your stuff, an idol. Anything, don't make it. An idol. That's really what it's saying. It's not saying hate. 
It's saying, love less. Don't put everything else ahead of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's talking about idolatry. Jesus wants him to be first before everything else. But, but recognize, we put Jesus first. Okay? Do you understand when I've been harping on this for years now? Love God. Him first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Second. Hmm. Interesting how it ties together. It doesn't say love God and hate your neighbor as yourself. He says love God, love your neighbor, but love God first. And so instead of looking at it as, you know, love less than or whatever, look at it as him first, others second. You know, how many have, if you have more than one, children, nieces, nephews, uncles, aunts, what do you name it? You love them, but some you might like a little bit more, <laughs> right? You love them, relationships, all that, but you want God first. There's always some type of thing. Now, we love everyone for their differences, and that's the best part, but Jesus has to come first before anything else. And so love God and love your neighbor. The second example is a big construction project, and I really, I love this one. It's very timely, considering how we are in the planning stages of removing this building piece by piece, at the same time as thanking those that came along and built it and took care of it and got us to this point, like we talked about when, when they originally opened the church, Salem, Pentecostal, way back in the day, and they brought kids to Sunday school at the hall down on Fraser Highway, and then they, then they moved into a church and bought that, and then they came and they decided to build this, and it was Cloverdale Pentecostal, and then it became West Winds Community Church. A big, and, and each stage they did something. Well, I'm here to tell you that we're in the planning stages of doing something awesome. But we can't just bring in the dump trucks and start mowing things down without a plan. We need to think smartly. We need to work with others, make things happen. And we need to have a reason why. And the reason why is, have you seen the price of rent lately? It's ridiculous. Have you seen anything that is affordable? No, because it's not. Inflation is going on. We have to have an answer for that. And when we do this project here at Westwinds, when we take this thing down, it won't be as in, I'm so sick of this building. It'll be, thank you for this building. I mean, there might be some of that. But thank you for this building, God, and everyone who put it up and brought it to where it is now. Look at what we're doing now. And that's the amazing part. Because we have a plan. And Jesus says in this, you don't just... Build a foundation and not think about the money and not think about anything. I mean, we always say, well, you got to live by faith. Well, yeah, but he's telling us here, you plan. So where does it, I am planning in faith that he's going to lead the way. And in your own life, you need to plan in faith that he's going to lead the way. It's not this willy-nilly throwing it up in the air and seeing what happens. Although there are times when I've done that and God's worked it out. But on something this massive, there has to be a plan. There has to be a plan. You can't just start going in and tearing stuff apart. There has to be a plan. And the day that that happens isn't just because we decided to tear it down that day. It's because we planned to do it. 
and it was intentional. And there's an intention to why we're doing it. The next illustration is king going to war. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, we see what's happening in Russia right now. Someone didn't plan that very well because the Ukraine is fighting back. And wherever you sit, I have to say that um, it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned well. When soldiers don't know what they're doing and why they're there, and then all of a sudden they're trying to figure out what's happening, that's not a plan. And those plans don't always go very well. And Scripture is very clear. You don't just show up and don't tell anybody about it. All three examples that we're given in this Scripture today have the same themes. Deliberation, choosing wisely, and finishing well. Finishing well. The journey of faith with Jesus requires counting the cost daily. Not to give up, but to focus on what matters for success. It means playing the long game. And we're impatient, and we need to be better at that. I've talked to so many people about playing the long game because people are just used to things happening right now very quickly. You know, if the Internet's fast, shouldn't everything else be quick? And although some of the times these things are great, very rarely do great things happen overnight. Very rarely. It doesn't say it doesn't happen, but the odds are not in your favor. We want things now. We expect success, and we want it to happen whether we, right now, whether we deserve it or not. Or maybe we did a shorter game, but it wasn't a long game, and we thought, well, we should have got the payout already. That's not a long game. That's a medium to short game. Long game. And the problem is it takes time. It takes time to intentionally plan something. You know, when you go in, I used to, used to own a business when I was younger, and, and we would go into uh, city governments, and, and, and we'd have to get a contract and try to win a contract. I didn't just walk in and go, hey, I'd really like to do the job here. I hope you're happy with me, and, uh, you know, I did my hair today, and I'm wearing nice clothes, so can you give me the job? No. I had to plan. I had to find out what it was. I had to figure out how how much labor I would need, how much time I would need, supplies. There's a cost to all of these things. Every government, whether it's local or up, has a process that they must go through. And it's cost, it's time, it's people, it's deadlines. It's all of that. And while Jesus isn't waiting for us to bid or waiting for the highest bidder, he isn't evaluating us, but he is waiting for us to choose him. He is waiting for us to desire to be a disciple and to work at it. We work at so many other things, yet our relationship with Jesus is is not always the best. One commentator illustrates the cost of following Jesus this way, and he says this, Suppose you learned that you had been given an all-expensive-paid condo on a beach in Tahiti. Just can we soak that in for just a couple seconds? Mm. Mm. Yeah, it wouldn't take me long to make that call. But let's suppose, you know, airfare, car, food, condo. And you know what? 
let's throw in a cleaner. Someone can clean up after you. You don't even have to do anything. It's all expenses. And you, you brag about this new lifestyle. But do you plan for it? You do. You have to plan for it. You dream about it. But nothing happens until you pack your bags. The motion, nothing gets moving until you leave your home. The new life is never really yours until you get there. You can't live in two places at once. You have to make that move. And this is how Christianity in North America has become. It has become, we want to keep our foot in one world, and we want all the good stuff that Jesus gives. Yeah, but I still want these bad habits. I want to keep those because, you know what, they just work for me. They work for me. I don't know if you noticed, but when Jesus came to his disciples, and when, before they were actually disciples, he walked up and he said, drop those nets, let's go. Come with me. They didn't go, well, I, you know what? I'm with you in spirit, and I really like what you're doing, um, but I'm going to stay here. They got up and they left. They dropped it and they went. They intentionally made a decision, and Jesus says, you got to drop it. You can't have your foot in both worlds. You see, Luke chapter 14, when Jesus is talking, he's talking to those with the mindset of keeping their foot in one world and their other foot in the other. They're keeping their foot in Langley, Surrey, and their other foot in Tahiti. It doesn't work. That's a, I mean, maybe you were a gymnast and can stretch, but that's pretty far. You can't do it. We got to let go of that old life. And we got to pack our bags. And we got to be all in. We got to drop our nets. And we got to be in. And then God will direct. But we got to play the long game here. 2023 is a short game. 2033, that's a long game. That's a long game. Whatever the number is that's long. We got to think about it. In 2023, are you willing to play that long game? Are you willing to take the chance to pack up, make the move, placing a major focus on following Christ and what he's asked you to become, which is more like him? In 2023, where are we at? Putting aside personal preferences in every area, and that includes church. Well, I like to do it this way. No. If we don't do it that way, we don't do it that way. Music. How, I mean, we can all go down to translations. We can do it. Put aside those. Personally, how you feel. Throw it away. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are we reaching people for Jesus? And if we're not, why are we here? What's the point? I believe that we get lost in the noise when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. We get lost in what North American Christianity has sold us. Don't buy it. Play the long game. Start with disciplines. Once we're done this series, we're going to go into some disciplines that we haven't talked about before in the next few months, and we're going to work our way towards this. Because when you go into a large project when you're going to do something where you're going to make some difference, when you're going to make some major changes, you need to have a foundation ready. 
spiritually, mentally, physically, to do it. This is preparation for everything, for what Jesus wants us to do. Are we going to put aside our personal preferences? Are we going to put aside our attitudes and our wants and place him and his message first in 2023? And you may say, well, I'm already doing that. Are you? Are you really doing it, or are you just saying you're doing it but not doing it? Only you can answer that question. I can't do it for you, but I believe that if we really tap into who Jesus is truly, it's going to change those around us, and then it's going to have a ripple effect. You've heard this before, a ripple effect. You've heard it, but it will truly change. If Jesus is who he said he was, it has to because we're doing what he wants, not what we want, what he wants. And that starts at the base level of what I want in church, and then from there it grows, from our personal devotional life. Put everything aside. This is the perfect Sunday. Man, I couldn't ask for a better gift than January 1st, 2023 in church. With all these spiritual people, of course. This is it. Leave the past in the past. Forget your own personal stuff. Learn from it. And let's move forward and beyond where we are today. If we come back next year, this time, Lord willing, are we different? If we're not different, we're doing it wrong. Let's be awesome in 2023. I believe you can do it. I know you can do it. I know you have the heart. The intention is there. You want it. Now it's time to put our money where our mouth is, and I don't necessarily mean your tithes. I'm, but what I'm meaning is your words. And then if you want to tithe, you can do that too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. I just pray that as we move forward, that we will be focused on you. We'll be intentional about our relationship with you, intentional about our relationship with others, and that we will bring the message of Jesus Christ to those that need it. We are asking for the power of the Holy Spirit as we move forward to reach out to our community one by one. Everyone here has a circle of influence. Help them to see what they need to do to bring your message, whether it's serving, whether it's talking with someone, whether it's not saying anything, just being there. Help us to see what that means. Show it to us, Holy Spirit. You are welcome every day, 24 hours. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great first week of 2023. Enjoy. God bless you.